Um, oh, hang on. Paul and Paul, it's the podcast. Uh, no, that's just the A team. Um, Paul and I love the Paul. I Paul. Don't even need lyrics. Who needs lyrics? Tosses. Just keep, just keep saying our names. Do 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 Paul. Do do be do 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 Paul. Dun 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 Paul. I just think we need something that the listeners can really get on board with. Something that they can all sing along to. Something incredibly accessible. I think will be really good for them. Do 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 Paul do do. Everybody, you know this one. Some of that will do. Fuck's sake. Yeah. Fucking hell. Can't all be great. We should just we should we should record just from the. Can't all be great. <laughs> I thought it was pretty well. Yeah, well, you know, it can't all be good. Can't all be funny or interesting. Can't be interesting all the time, can you? You know that. That never misfiled anything, not once, not one time. I'm a vampire. I oh, that was so. Oh, you. Were, that was my. Oh. I'm Paul Salt. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. Oh sorry. I thought you were confessing, and you're in the middle of a really big moment. Oh, and, mate, you know, mate. You're finally going to share something with me. But... <laughs> that I am a blood sucking freak. <laughs> I'm somewhere in the goddamn file. <laughs> and it's the final episode of this recommendations month. Yes. This week's Terror from the Night comes courtesy of Big Pigeon Podcast. Mm. Reese and Corey discuss life, pop culture, and weird shit. Paul, what's the weirdest shit you've ever thought of and want to discuss in front of the people at home here? Probably Nick Cage brushing his teeth in the morning. Oof. I can't even imagine such a thing. Mm, I thought anyone letting Nick Cage film a love scene. <laughs> the most upsetting thing about Nick Cage is that right now he's doing something. Even you don't know just, where. Yeah, I don't know where, I don't know what it is. Ooh, makes me How it cool. is. You don't even know when it is. He could be doing it now, but it's also five years ago. And that is why we need Cage Watch. He's a troubadour. Yes. Well, this week we shall be chewing over Nicholas Cage's Robert Bierman's Vampire's Kiss. It's yeah. fucking madness. He was an ordinary guy. Morning, everyone. Morning. Looking for an extraordinary love. It started with a kiss. A kiss that could drive you mad. I hate interrupted love affairs, don't you? Nicholas Cage. The tortures of the damned! Maria Conchita Alonso. Shoot Do it or I'll fire you. Do you understand? <laughs> Not the floor, Alba. And Jennifer Beals. You are so pathetic. Vampires kiss. Strange stuff. I'll never do that again. Director Robert Bierman's legacy seems to be that he almost directed The Fly and then did direct this. Uh, he's mm. English, so afterwards he sort of returned to the retirement home of English directors. You know, Inspector Lindley, The Bill, Holby City, etc. You got to work with Danny Dyer. <laughs> In Holby City. Probably. Get this fucker a catheter. Oh, you sure are one, Danny Dyer. You fucking laughing at me, mate. <laughs> I'll fucking kick the shit out of you. Two sugars, you treacle! <laughs> this is a comedy panel show. I'll still fucking murder you. Uh, the film has an unusually high Rotten Tomatoes score for the OGT of 61%, but the Metacritic mm. is 31%, which makes no sense. Oh, good. Okay. I guess most critics were happy to not like it. <laughs> Five stars. One star. <laughs> 
Karen James, writing for the New York Times, said, and sorry, this is just really weird. The thing that I'm reading from quoted this with a the at the beginning, but put square brackets around the T. Now, square brackets are usually where the editors had to put something in which the original article didn't have, right? So it's just to put it in context out out of the original article. Right. So, so why the T? Why the T? Originally, this read, he film is dominated. <laughs> oh, maybe it was uh, a capital Oh, capitalization. And you mustn't have it so that the public think somewhere Karen James reads this out of context citation of her review and it's like, I didn't fucking capitalize that T. Fucking slander. (laughs) I'll have them. I'm going to sue everyone. (laughs) Oh, this is why one day I'm going to end up in prison for misquoting Nicolas Cage. (laughs) Or Karen James. (laughs) Or Karen James. God, no. Uh, Karen James, New York Times. The film is dominated and destroyed by Mr. Cage's chaotic, self-indulgent performance. I will believe it when I see it, sir. Mm. I've never heard of such a slander. Everyone's allowed an opinion. (laughs) Especially you, because they're so... They're so lovely. <laughs> they smell of lavender. <laughs> Go to Screen Mayhem for a nice lavendery opinion. Kevin Thomas at the Los Angeles Times says, A sleek, outrageous dark comedy that's all the funnier for constantly teetering on the brink of sheer tastelessness and silliness. The fucking brink? <laughs> I know I am. I'm a vampire. I can prove it. You gotta go. It's a very wide brink for this man. It's teetering on the brink of the bottom of the fucking cliff. <laughs> Having fallen off it. He lives in the Truman Show. He's got no idea of uh, <laughs> what the brink actually is. <laughs> well, I'll take you to the brink, Kevin Thomas. Just try quoting Karen James if you want to know what that's about. To the brink of dawn. <laughs> oh, we did a cage. I did it. <laughs> you see, I did it already. It's only been 10 minutes. <laughs> Uh, the film had a terrible box office, but it did become something of a cult classic. Uh, Ryan 400R at Amazon, the first Android reviewer we've <laughs> had on the thing so far, after demanding Scary. immediate input, said, uh, Terrible and weird, but funny in a strange type of Nicolas Cage way. Don't know why it was an 18 certificate. Should be in the comedy section. That's if you can find it in a DVD shop, my right? <laughs> oh, God. That was, that was uh. insightful and, and comical and topical. Gosh. Yeah. Why was it an 18 certificate? I think it's just the cage. Can't let kids at this. Jesus. No. Not even adolescents. It'll wrong them forever. R. Leary 1 at IMDb said, I don't know how many times I've mentioned this movie at my job and find that no one has ever seen it. <laughs> I mean, after the first time. <laughs> guys. Guys, guys, guys. Oh, God. Here she comes. <laughs> That's brilliant, actually, Terry. That reminds me of a little movie called Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> has anyone seen it? Guys, hello? Give this movie a chance, people. She can, uh, He continues. She scratches on the wall. The camera angles, the shadows on the stairs, definite homage to Nosferatu. An entire atmosphere makes this movie a must-see. You've got to see this homage to Nosferatu, guys. <laughs> guys? It's, an, it's and- an homage to Nosferatu. Like, me eating a sandwich is an homage to sandwiches. <laughs> it just is. <laughs> and even though it's only a movie, in quotation marks, I feel sorry for Alva and the torment she had to take at work and home. <laughs> Surprised by the concept of empathising with a fictional character, R. Leary. (laughs) Finally found the only movie that does that. Hey, this character's quite funny. No, it's a movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. Back to the void for me. (laughs) Back back to silence. (laughs) Luckily, it's just a movie, folks. Oh, (laughs) thank God. Watch this movie, damn it. It's getting a bit desperate at this stage. I can't believe it's only rated 5.2 on IMDb. Probably a younger crowd voted for it and don't understand classic movies. Yeah, that's what happened there. (laughs) God, the millennials. Or maybe women voted low ratings on this movie because it reminded them of their office manager. (laughs) Lol. (laughs) Fuck me. (laughs) 
Which one? <laughs> Put him on a pedestal a hundred miles in the air so no one can touch him. What a review. What a roller coaster review. That was amazing. That was that was that was mega reviewing right there. <laughs> Thanks, R. Leary. <laughs> Sounds like I'm saying R. Leary, like someone I know. <laughs> oh, not R. Leary though. He wouldn't do that. No. He wouldn't say such horrible things. <laughs> about Mr. Cage. About beloved Nicholas Cage. He came to Whitstable once. He weren't stuck up. <laughs> you know, he weren't stuck up. He there was a boat on the beach and uh, he just he picked it up and he just threw it at the moon. <laughs> it tore a post box in half <laughs> and he ruined my accent forever so it was forever destined to float around the, these aisles never quite landing on any particular place. <laughs> <laughs> he went up to the coast and chopped chopped island <laughs> off the edge of it and now it's just it just floats in nothingness. Dude. It just floats like tosser. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen boys and girls Nicholas Cage is a threeman. I, I don't know how fair it is to count him as a threeman, though, because <laughs> Ghost Rider and Outcast, absolutely, you fucking monster, you deserve this. Yeah. Vampire's Kiss? I don't know oh. if he, if that should earn him the igamony. That's very true, actually. That's a very good point. I, I think it would be unfair to give, to give him a threeman thing for this, because it's not just a good performance in a bad film. It's a good performance in a good film. He will remain... A tuman in high esteem. Mm. In the same way, you know how when they, they, they kept prisoners, they said they were kept at the Her Majesty's pleasure. Yeah. Nicholas Cage <laughs> is kept very much at the Paul's pleasure. Uh, OGT pleasure, yeah. <laughs> so, Paul, you, I'm a vampire. <sighs> What's one thing about Vampire's Kiss that made you want to go fucking insane? It was the realistic slice of office politics on offer in this film, Paul. Ooh. It was like watching David Brent again. <laughs> oh, he's eccentric. You know, when he when he and he said, fucking kill me, Alva. <laughs> I will rape you. Just kill me. <laughs> yeah. Just like, oh, just like that bloke from Sex, Lies of the Potato Man. He was great in that. <laughs> Love him. Love all of it. Oh, do you remember when Martin Freeman went, <laughs> That episode. I think, oh, that's, I think that's what it was called. It was called, uh, <laughs> that episode. <laughs> I actually like The Office. Aw, bless you. Thanks, mate. Oh, what happens in it? Oh, it starts... Not The Office. <laughs> oh, well, Martin Freeman goes, <laughs> boo. And David, and David Brent goes, eh, 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 eh. Oh, And then there's a really... Classic 90s comedy. But in Vampire's Kiss, there are some... Op- it starts with moody shots of the city. After after five minutes of this, we're in a psychiatrist's office. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Nicolas Cage is intimidating his psychiatrist <laughs> with some crazy old rants. <laughs> with, a, um, with a fascinating fucking accent. I brought this girl up to my place the other night. Really hot, you know. And we're on the bed, and suddenly this bat comes swooping down out of nowhere. A bat? Holy shit. But this, this really happened, but the part, this part, I don't know if this really happened or I dreamt it later or what. I mean, I'm fighting this bat off all alone and I'll be damned if I didn't get really turned on. Yeah. Doctor, I've come to have my accent explained to me. That was more than Keanu Reeves. <laughs> explained to you. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. He, according to IMDb, this is something that he did in t- the the character did to yes, impress people I read who this. were worth the effort. Yes. But that didn't really work, did it? Because he did it the entire film. Yes. But anyway. I think he means the director <laughs> whom he was trying to impress, <laughs> who was English. We are a fucking eloquent bunch. <laughs> Fuck yeah, tits bum. He, he flashes back to a, a nightclub where he picked up a young lady using his, hey, yes. should we go and have sex face? 
He he uses under the volume of the music seduction <laughs> techniques. I love that. Takes her back to his house and they have a creepy sex scene because there's some weird music playing and it's Nicolas Cage. And <laughs> That's all you need. Those the ingredients. And just after we've had a good five seconds of nipples, it's, the sex scene's over because the uh, bat comes in and attacks them both. She runs out the apartment and sits in the corridor naked and laughing yeah. while a five-year-old boy watches <laughs> who only turns up once more in the film. Yes, the boy gets retrieved by his mother who comes out in order to say, oh, I fucking hate living above Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible place to raise a child. You have to star in all of his films. <laughs> he chases the bat out of there just about. No, he doesn't. He leaves. They both leave and they go spend yeah. the night somewhere. Yeah. The next shot has Nicolas Cage wearing glasses and I take a moment to compose myself. He's lovelorn. I'm going to go and pick someone else up, I reckon. <laughs> But not before going into work to completely fucking ruin the life of one of my subordinates. <laughs> yes. Alva, who's a lovely woman. Um, as anyone who's seen the video of Nick Cage losing it, loses his shit might have realised, there's a file that's gone missing. Oh no! Oh god, in the literary agency that he works for, <laughs> apparently. God, imagine a literary agent. Nick Cage. <laughs> what kind of books is he gonna is he gonna fucking represent? I'm recording all the audio books now. I have a great feeling about this one. It's, it's, that's another mirror, mate. It's just your face doing what it does in front of it. It's gonna be bigger than Jesus. All right, settle down. This is Angela Lansbury's Christmas favorite cookbook. Everybody, uh, you're gonna need to preheat the fucking oven. You've gotta beat the f- fucking eggs. Or is it? We're gonna mince it. We also need flour. <laughs> oh, I could sip flour for hours. <laughs> what? Oh yeah, right, right. You turn Sorry, me on. You turn me on. You turn me up to gas my five. <laughs> Gran, why are you crying? <laughs> um. So there's a file missing, and uh, it's Alva's job to find it in the mm. middle of the biggest file of the century. And uh, he, he, he really does sling a lot of abuse at her. He chases her around a bit. But then it's time to, for him to go and pick up another woman, which, which he does. <laughs> he does. He goes to a nightclub and then he ends up back at his place having some weird squirmy sex with her. Yeah. Oh, no, she's a vampire. Oh, no. She bites his neck. Yes. Next morning, Nick Cage has managed to age 30 years. <laughs> he's looking a bit fucking rough. Um, and now he's going to act even crazier. It is so hard to do this, Paul. What order does this happen in? So it's, it's a really simple plot, really, because there's not that much given away. There are three main things. Yeah. One of them is, is him believing that he's turning into a vampire. Yes. The other is the sheer torrent of abuse that he throws at Alva yes um for not being able to find this file and repeat occasions of him like showing up uh, in her daily life to coax her back (laughs) to the office and then tormenting her at the the exact moment that he's got her in the taxi (laughs) and his appointments with a psychiatrist yeah that's basically all it sometimes sometimes he falls over in public in order to be instantly helped by a passing (laughs) member of the public (laughs) he can just summon an old man or a high school kid from nowhere to come and help him up what uh, one of the things is he tries to patch things up with the first woman that he picked up yes um but he walks out walks out on her in an art in an art gallery yes she asks him what he thinks and he goes i'm gonna need to take a piss and then he just runs away (laughs) hails a taxi (laughs) taxi and then tries to patch things up and then is trapped just before he can leave the apartment because the 
the vampire mistress who who bit him has complete yeah. control over him and lures him back up to his apartment to feed yes. him once again. He, I love the fact that he's so baffled by this missing file. He's never yeah. heard of such a thing. A file going missing. It's inexplicable to him and he demands an answer from anyone. Yeah. It's, oh, it's mostly Alva. He, he, he <laughs> chases her out of the building, down a corridor. Yes. And, and and she and she says, I have a gun. And he's like, oh, oh I'm sorry. And then he walks off. Yeah. And then the next scene is him in, in a boardroom with five <laughs> fat white men all yes. going... <laughs> tried to rape her amazing (laughs) he tells her he tries to get her forgiveness by saying to her oh mescaline it sure is a hell of a drug (laughs) which actually reassures her and she's like yeah it is isn't it yeah i did that in high school (laughs) yeah oh brilliant yeah you're not a bad guy nicholas cage (laughs) yeah i'm gonna rape you what (laughs) sorry (laughs) he's so eccentric kill me Kill me now, please. Yeah, he wants... He's, it seems that he's goading her into killing him. Yeah. <laughs> he's really just hoping that this extra clerical work will push her over the fucking edge. I can't yeah. stand looking over any more of these contracts. He's at home. He's smashing up a few things. He's <laughs> He expects his teeth to grow, but they don't. Yeah. So he goes to a store downtown to buy some fake teeth. Yeah. And he, don't, he doesn't want to shell out 20 bucks on a pair of... Um, like nice. He doesn't actually have it, right? He just goes through his oh, wallet yeah. and just finds ones. Oh yeah, of course, that's it. Yeah. So he has to settle a nice pair of plastic cheapies <laughs> that he then wears for the next thirty minutes of the film. <laughs> yes, he he go he manages to push his way into a nightclub where they keep all of the boob shots of the film. <laughs> yeah. Um, he pushes into past Professor, Professor Rackman. Yeah, that's exactly oh. what I was about to fucking say, you dick. <laughs> Ah! Oh, we're too, we're too alike. Kill one of us. <laughs> and somehow this two fucking approach actually works on a girl. He yeah. manages to charm a chick into it, it, consenting to him getting his face right up to her neck. Yeah. Until he tries to grab a boob, at which point she tries to fight back, but he's he's gonna he's gonna do a murder on yeah, her. Yeah, genuinely kill her with his with his plastic teeth. <laughs> and he does. And then and then he's confronted by um the vampire rachel oh after he throws up on fraser's brother's table yeah <laughs> just a thing he does thanks david nars crane or whatever your name is <laughs> um, <to> the one <laughs> david something crane david foster wallace crane and then yeah. he go as he's going out he bumps into rachel well and her yeah. and her partner a fracar ensues he's very slowly dragged out of this nightclub <laughs> why does it take us so long to get him out of here <laughs> you fucking cunt Hang on, lads. Let's see where he's going with this. <laughs> so, with all this, the film ends in a wonderful <laughs> ten-minute sequence of him. Uh, yes, he's picked up a stake or a bit of wood that he hopes to fashion into a crucifix. Yeah, and he accosts various well-meaning <laughs> people. Yeah, try and get them to to stab him in the heart. <laughs> Kill him with this wood. He goes to a couple of really, really nice, just young people. He goes up to a church and does a thing on the steps there. That's great. <laughs> he approaches me on the street and I just say, sorry, mate, I haven't got any change. <laughs> you go, then it follows you for a bit. You go and sit in a <laughs> cafe Nero and feel bad about it for a while. <laughs> I wish I still felt bad. He then comes to a wall, which he stares at and imagines that he's having a final session with the psychiatrist yeah. who forgives him for all of his sins. <laughs> 
and tells him that actually his her, her next patient is experiencing a very similar issue to him and that he might like to have a bit of a chat with her and see if they're right for each other. Uh, he says that her name is Sharon. And as she goes to the door to open it to Sharon, the only thing I can imagine is going to be on the other side is Nicolas Cage in a wig. <laughs> I'm very but, disappointed that it's not. That it's that it's a beautiful, wonderful woman. <laughs> all imaginary, who, by the way, this. They they find out they like all the same things. They finish each yeah. other's sentences. Or Nick Cage finishes them as he's sort of grunting at this wall with his eyes half rolled back in his head. And then it, it, cut, it cuts back and they, they go off to get sushi. And just before they do, he confesses, Well, I did rape someone a couple nights ago. Just a little id release, no use to worry. Well, the fact is I did murder someone last night. I turned into a vampire, it's a long story. Peter, 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 people get murdered every day in this city. Do you think the world is going to stop? Yeah, I guess, but the police and everything, what if they find me? Would you stop worrying and just get on with your big romance? He hasn't even been arrested and the big lug is carrying on. Now just get out of here, the both of you. Have a wonderful life together and I will take care of the cops. Look at him. He's only killed someone and he's worrying about the police. Off you go. <laughs> shoo, shoo, shoo. Go on, Love you little scamp. So they go in his mind. He wanders back to his apartment where he suddenly has a massive falling out with the chick in his mind. <laughs> he starts <laughs> screaming at her. The last note that I have on the plot is he's done it. He's finally turned all the way into Rick Mail. <laughs> Leave me the fuck alone! He goes up to his flat and starts freaking out. Alva's brother decides to come up in order to have a kill of him, I think, mm. is the idea, or just to confront him. He gets up there and finds Nicolas Cage under the fucking sofa coffin <laughs> flips it over cage quickly grabs the stake and holds it up to his own chest the brother yeah. decides to oblige and shove it into his <laughs> chest yeah. and nicholas cage dies screaming and we get one last shot of vampiric rachel telling us to dream of her and then that's the end i cannot rachel i'm afraid my dreams are full of nicholas cage <laughs> you do the deal rachel when you signed up to a nick cage -a <laughs> fucking hell that was Vampire's oh, Kiss. And it certainly was. In, in case I haven't been able to fully sample enough of Cage to get across the impact of this during our plot description, let's just have a little gap here for some samples of Nicolas Cage. I never misfiled anything! Not once, not one time! The work's not just gonna go away, Alva. It never just goes away. The goddamn contract is somewhere in those goddamn fucking files! There is no one else in this entire office that I could possibly ask to share such a horrible job. You're the lowest on the totem pole here, Alva. The lowest. Do you realize that? Every other secretary who's been here has been here longer than you, Alva. Every one. And even if there was someone here who was here just one day longer than you, I still wouldn't ask that person to partake in such a miserable job as long as you were around. That's right, Alva. It's a horrible, horrible job. Sifting through old contract after old contract. I couldn't think of a more horrible job if I wanted to. And you have to do it. You have to, or I'll fire you. Do you understand? That's, that's what the film was like. Pretty much constantly, and I think it it shine. It's a shining exception of the the YouTube real rule. Oh God! In that it's not it's not one of those films where there are two moments and yeah. then the rest of it is pretty dull. Battlefield it's Earth one of, style. It's, it's one of the most energetic Nick Cage performances I've ever seen. Yeah, consistently throughout. It's yeah. a film that 
is made by the fact that you have no fucking idea what's happening at any stage yeah. throughout yes. what's going to happen next throughout the exactly. entire film. It's unpredictable. It's extraordinary. Mm. And it's entirely down to Nicolas Cage's performance. I would say that the directing had a hand in it and I think it was managed okay. wielded Nick Cage in the absolute <laughs> perfect way. Because I yes. think there was a lot of obf- obfuscation employed by Robert Bierman. There was mm. a reluctance to let the, the audience know anything <laughs> but the facts as seen by Nicolas Cage. Yeah. And it wasn't as subtle as Caruth. And it wasn't as <laughs> abstract as Lynch. <laughs> but it definitely sort of struck a really crazy frenetic middle ground between the two. It left room for you to come in and sort of figure out your own cage. It's a fabulously entertaining film, mm. sort of relentlessly enjoyable. Because, I mean, Nick Cage, I, I wrote down, he's invented an accent. I, who sounds like this? I wrote that it's a bit like Turl from Battlefield Earth. Mm. But it's it's entirely unique. I can't. Yeah. It's like a whole new stereotype. Was it meant to be a New Orleans approximation? I thought it was meant to be English <laughs> or French. Maybe. Maybe he was Tommy <laughs> Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> it's it's just the energy he puts in is extraordinary. I'm going to get on to Nicolas Cage as a performer shortly, but just a little more on the actual film itself. Nicolas yeah, Cage. Nicolas Cage and um, director Robert Bierman actually recorded a director's commentary back in 1999. I regret to say I didn't have time to listen to it, but mm. I did have a look through a transcript of it and found some choice quotes to, with mm. some interesting scenes. I bet. When the mimes appear on screen, there's a scene with mimes right outside the, um, yeah. the town, which I actually did read an interesting interpretation of, suggesting that it's just part of the craziness that people of New York City just accept, which therefore explains the ending when uh, nobody's okay. really looking yeah. at Cage, despite of how crazy he is. But when the mimes appear, the director says, I don't know what this was about. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> I haven't got a clue. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> I remember at GCSE level having to analyze books and going an author did not fucking choose to actively to use the word barren it just it's the word he used and <laughs> i mean he must have actually questions he must have actually literally at some point decided to use the word barren he just may not have yeah but he wouldn't wouldn't have gone ah oh, yes this properly um encapsulates the ontological aspects of the novel uh, lord of the flies there are certain things that are just a product of the artist's mind and really gcse exams you shouldn't couch the questions in that way because it's misleading for teenagers look just fuck off gcse's that's the key here. Yeah, for once, honestly, <laughs> Iceland, let's just do it. But there, I think it's just, if it's a product of his mind, that's yeah. just the mood that he was in when he made this film. Right. And it just felt right that there were minds <laughs> in this film. And if you want, that's a really wonderful interpretation of it. And I think that yeah. actually fits really well. Yeah. That's a really lovely addition to this New York that we inhabit <laughs> in this film. A, a New York in which Nicolas Cage needs to be not be inexplicable. Which, to be fair... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is what I hear of New York. You wouldn't bat an eyelid. I mean, I, I think that the the, the the way it was directed and the, the gloriousness of the Nick Cage performance really, even though it was deterioration, I was still toying with the idea that it could have been a vampire bite just because right. everything was so extreme. And I wouldn't have been surprised if it turned out that it actually was yeah. and that he was just... And I, and, I, and I loved that. I loved the fact that I knew yeah. in my heart. <laughs> There's just a part of me that's like, maybe. <laughs> maybe it will be insane. Who knows? We're talking about Jennifer Beale, the actress who plays Rachel, mm-hmm. the vampire. Cage remembers, mm. I remember her being very interested in photography. And I remember I went to a museum with her and we looked at photographs together. A very, very intelligent woman, gorgeous, and very much in love with her husband. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
Believe me. Just throws that in. I know. <laughs> She's very fucking fond of it. <laughs> She's taken, fellas. <laughs> He just rubs a scar on the back of his neck. Well, the director says that, in kind of explanation for all of this, this is eerie, in fact. He says, when you're a first-time director, you always end up basically remaking your favourite film. I'd be interested okay. to see how that applies to certain directors. But um, he said that in his case, that was John Cocteau's Orphe, a film that, mm. by weird coincidence, I saw for the first time last week at the BFI South Bank. Oh. So that was eerie. Orpheus great. It's a very strange film about a man. It's a retelling of Orpheus, essentially. So it's about a man who travels <clears> to the underworld <throat> yeah. to reclaim his dead wife, only he can never mm. look at her once he's reclaimed her, is the idea. So... It's a very strange sort of 1950s French expressionist mm. surreal film. And it's very good. And it's got some incredible special effects in it. And there's a bit where Nicolas Cage runs down the street screaming, I'm a vampire. So it's all... I can totally see where he's coming you from. You see where it came yeah. from now. Yeah. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense now. I just really appreciated the way the film left a lot to the audience. Yeah. And it, it didn't let me relax yeah. into the film. There wasn't a narrative there that was, oh, now he's becoming a vampire. or It was just a series of scenes. And it felt like it was intentional. And we've mm. discussed this before, but... yeah intending to do that and it actually working <laughs> now, uh, is very very different to not meaning to do that yeah it is a descent into madness even though it feels like cage taking over this film it still feels like this was the intended effect of a very strange man yes. losing his mind to hypnotic effect this is the perfect film for the kind of you know self-styled yeah. mega acting that nick cage brings yeah to most films yeah regarding the cockroach he said i saw it as a business decision <laughs> Because when people mm-hmm. see... Oh, sorry, he actually eats a cockroach during the He film. eats a cockroach. Yeah, yeah, for real. When people see the cockroach go in my mouth, it's like the bus blowing up in speed. People really react. <laughs> and it's like worth $2 million in special effects. And all I do is eat a bug. So it's good business. That is a very um, <laughs> well thought out response from Nicolas Cage. I really think I need to get to know the guy better. That's a common thread here. He does yeah. seem to be very well considered and intelligent. But yeah, just he did it to titillate, basically. Yeah. Which is fine. Appar- That's great. Now, apparently, in the I'm a vampire scene, Cage was running too fast for the camera to keep up with him. <laughs> and so right. when he was asked to run slower, he said, well, if you're going to make me run slower, I'm just going to have to run like this. And that's why he runs like that. <laughs> oh, God. Again, what a wonderful, beautiful mind thinking these things through. <laughs> I mean, his 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 physicality in this is truly incredible. Yes. There's just... He, There's something so precise about the way it's done. It really isn't reckless. No, the he's, he's mimicking doing. the stature and the body language of Count Orlok from Nosferatu, mm. Max Schreck. He, he makes his neck just disappear. Yeah. He's got no neck. He's got a hump somehow, which I'm mm. sure isn't special effects. It's just cage physicality. Mm. And yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable. Oh. Last The last thing on this, which I, I will just um, say out of context, similarly to the nun quote from The Nightmare on Elm Street, mm. um, it comes care of uh, Robert Bierman, who just uh, likes to opine, I don't think most people got the joke in this scene because they just thought it was a rape. <laughs> I mean, we know the context. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, listeners at home? You're going to have to watch the film to find out. You're going to have to. I think Vampire's Kiss is a really fucking entertaining movie that you are not going to benefit from watching a highlight reel of. You need to watch the entire no. thing. It's an atmosphere. It's a full descent. Yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's just an unpredictable journey into madness. Yeah. It had a very singular grip on me throughout yeah. that just intensified. <laughs> Genuinely like this film and mm. would recommend heartily that everyone watch it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I would really like it to get a re-evaluation as not just... Yeah. A so bad it's good cage a thon. Yeah. Well, seen as maybe a genuinely good film. That's an interesting premise, the idea of it as a genuinely good film, because 
I think to really get behind that idea, we're going to have to look at Nick Cage as a performer. Now, he says of his own acting style, I had made a decision a long time ago that I wasn't only going to explore naturalistic acting. You can say that again. Yeah. I would do that sometimes, like I did in Joe. Joe, incidentally, being a very well-reviewed Nicolas Cage film from a couple of years ago that I didn't get around to seeing. Mm. But I also wanted to look at some of my other inspirations. I believe in art synchronicity, that you can do in one art form, you can do in another. So if I wanted to be abstract, like imitating Edvard Munch's uh, The Shout, as I did in Ghost Rider, I would do that. If I wanted to be more operatic or Western Kabuki, I could do it. And I'm not the first. Look at James Cagney in White Heat when he says, Top of the world, Ma. Was that realistic? Hell no. Was it exciting and truthful? <laughs> Hell yeah. Or Richard Burton in Night of the Iguana, or Bruce Lee in Enter the Dragon. The list goes on and on mm. about these old troubadours who embraced a kind of charismatic and larger-than-life stylization, A grandeur, if you will. It's just <laughs> very hard for me to imagine Nicolas Cage saying all of that. I'm trying... In his accent of... <laughs> of Vampire's Kiss. Yeah, if we could maybe watch, get a video of that so we could properly believe it, that would, <laughs> that would really help me. If IndieWire could can... just release that fucking audio, please. Please. God's sake, release the files, IndieWire. <laughs> but I, I'm not surprised, though. I I, I remember um, a few years ago now reading the, the, the interview where he, he refers to what he does as mega acting. Yeah. And it's, it hit me for the first time that this was a thought-out process, something that he actually considered. Yes, it's not just and, him hamming it up for the sake of it. And I can, the more I read about him, you know, his uh, creative process, the way he decides these things. Yes. I'm not sure about the Jamaican accent in <laughs> The Green Hornet, but um, yeah. I'm sure he'd have a very good academic reason <laughs> for it. Yeah, he's not just a madman. It's just, yeah. it seems like that when you're not inside of his process. Yes. Like all great artists, perhaps. Yeah, and I think there's something beautiful <laughs> about that. Yeah, the question is, larger than life, yes. Look, his acting style, when it's fully blown, when it is cast to Troy, yeah. when it is whatever this guy's character name was, I will learn to know it forever. Peter Lowe, when he's Peter fucking Lowe. Yeah. When he goes all in, when he's the bad lieutenant, it is extraordinarily entertaining in a way that is singular. Yes. Maybe Jack Nicholson is capable of similar sort of moments of sheer madness. Maybe that's Heights of dizziness for the audience. Yes, and he could take you to places. The question is, is it good acting? Different acting, yes, but is he expressing some sort of truth? That's a I tricky mean, one, I think. The, the way that I would like to start that discussion is by considering the different shades of cage that we have yeah. in these films it's not the same performance in all of these no. films caster troy is, is is a different extreme of madness to um <laughs> mr bad lieutenant to the <laughs> same as P peter Lowe. right and, and again i think we come to his best performances are ones like that where he he does capture something so singularly and so perfectly crunch time is when you're looking at the middling films where he's still he's doing the mega acting and he's giving these uh -huh. larger than life performances but they don't tend to work i would call it good acting but maybe not great aptitude sometimes to know mm. when it's appropriate right because there there may be some performances that would benefit from not being so crazy and so off the wall potentially um i don't know i'm struggling with this because I will say that he's an extraordinarily entertaining performer, mm. uniquely so, but in terms of being a good actor, it depends on what you're looking at in terms of acting. And when I was younger, I used to offer a definition of acting that it was being able to represent two completely different characters. And I mm. thought, oh, that surely is the mark of a good actor. It's not necessarily, mm. because a oh, good yeah. actor could be... Oh, well, a good actor could be someone like um, 
Tom Hanks, you know, who is essentially yeah. the same in every performance he gives, and yet he is able to express so much of the sort of scope and spectrum of human emotion mm. that that is what makes uh, him an excellent actor, is that yeah. he's able to make moments real. Nicolas Cage, he's not trying, he's not aiming for naturalism for the most no. part. Sometimes he is. For the most part, he's not. He's aiming for something true, but huge in a campy yeah. kind of way. Mm. And I'm just trying to think if I have ever. I mean, I've been so entertained by Cage, but have I ever felt it in that way, in the same way of, like, Min Sik Choi's disintegrating smile in Old Boy? You mean, have you been moved, or have you ever thought it was a, like a, 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 a performance that you thought... Because ad- There's the truth. Ad- adaptation. Yes. ...is an incredible double performance. Well, but that's not too terribly crazy. I want to interrogate the idea of his crazy acting. Okay. He can do naturalism. Yeah. We've seen it before. We've seen it in things. A great deal of his work in Mandy is actually... Oh, for sure. ...somewhat naturalistic. That's it. I was trying to think of, I was trying to think of it, and of mm. course it's my favourite film of the year so far, Mandy starring <laughs> Nicolas Cage. We will come on to that again in a bit, but um, in terms of just the big stuff, is it also good acting or is it just entertaining performance i mean i i would say that bad lieutenant is fantastic acting mm. yes it's it's extreme uh, in a lot of moments but he's yeah. clearly captured the <laughs> the strife the sort of ptsd mm. damage that this character has um even though a, a lot of it is is bombastic and it makes you laugh because it's, yeah. it is just so extreme there's a definite working of a of a deteriorating mind there that is a i think that is an obstacle for cage is the fact that initial reaction is it does make you laugh i spent mm. the whole of vampire's kiss laughing oh yeah it was so funny but is there also at its heart an, a good performance about a man on the edge losing control i also think it is and i think it's okay. helped in, in Vampire's Kiss by Robert Beerman, the mm. there are some nice abstract bits, and the, the scene where he's confessing everything to the psychiatrist in his mind at the end yeah. has a wonderful Lynchian feel to it. <laughs> and, and, and I think with directing like that, mm. you you are able to see both sides of this performance, the different yeah. levels. It, it it is tough because you do also go into watching a Nick Cage film expecting to be expecting to laugh and expecting yeah. to be blown away by the craziness. But I think there are a lot of films out there, and you know, same with rewatching Face Off recently. Sure. And just realizing what a great film it is, and 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 how yeah. Cage's performance again is is over the top, mm. but it's believable in its own mm. ridiculous way. <laughs> There's something of the truth in it, even though it's yeah, crazy. And, and I think the important exactly, and I think the important thing for me is these performances. Even though I'm laughing hysterically sometimes, I'm not taken out of the movie. I don't right. find myself going, "God, Nick Cage is crazy." I find myself completely entranced in this performance mm. and, and the, the film I'm watching. And right. then later I can properly think about what Nick Cage means to me as a, <laughs> as a human. Right. But it, but it, it sucks me in. It's not like Johnny yeah. Depp with the caricatures, yeah. which are very good caricatures, but also completely take me out of the moment. I will, I'll say that this character is very unique in as much as it really is a kind of chameleon job for Nicolas Cage because mm. perhaps because of the voice, the eyes, the hair. I wasn't yeah. thinking about Nicolas Cage much during this. I was just thinking about this crazy fucking character. He's a very singular performance. He, what he's doing yeah. is very unique. And I think Vampire's Kiss represents a very interesting study of Cage mm. in this respect um, in terms of determining whether or not he is just this wonderful entertainer or a real sort of artist in terms of his own reputation he had this to say on the nature of cage rage and the sort of mm. internet meme mm. thing and the nick cage losing his shit video yeah which he initially said he was quite appreciative of because it drew attention yeah. to his earlier work such as vampire's kiss mm. um yeah so but, but he said he now says 
the issue is with the advent of the internet during these mashups where they pull these choice moments uh, without the context of the whole film around it to support it has created this memification, if you will. It's been mm. branded cage rage and it's frustrating. I'm sure it's frustrating for Panos, uh, referring to Panos Kosmatos, the director of uh, Mandy. Yeah. Who has made what I consider a very lyrical, internal, poetic work of art to have this mm. cage rage thing slammed all over his movie. It's one thing for me because I'd like to think I could continue to work with Panos, but the internet has kind of done the movie a disservice. Now, I've not seen mm. any cage rage stuff in relation to Mandy, and that does seem no. inaccurate because there's only really two very moments. Yeah, very unfair because there's only really two moments I can think of in the entire film that represent mm. the traditional notion of cage rage, which is sort of screaming, mm. bug-eyed mm. craziness, and that's um when he's yelling something about a t-shirt during one of the fights. Yeah. And then at the end, when he's been hallucinating someone in his passenger passenger seat, and then it cuts to yeah. him sort of smiling maniacally at the uh, at the yeah. apparition. Those are the only moments, really. Apart from that, it's a very... I would compare the performance to Ryan Gosling in Only God Forgives. Kind of quiet rage. Well, I, th- I think I think now anything Cage does is, is Cage rage to a lot of people. Yes. Think, oh, if he picks up a chainsaw and kills someone, that's Cage rage. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's, like, it's like using it literally to mean <laughs> Say, figuratively. Saying it like that, I mean, just because he picks up a chainsaw and cuts <laughs> someone in half, oh, suddenly it's the Cage rage. <laughs> well, he, he wasn't doing it. He wasn't doing it and going, oh, I, could, I could eat revenge for hours. It's, it's just... I saw you. It's not. It's, it's a really beautiful, touching and mesmerizing film where Panos Kostomos sort of discusses Jungian psychology in order to get over the death of his parents. You know, yeah. it's not cage rage. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's a really touching, beautiful moment when he cuts that guy in half with a chainsaw. <laughs> It was because I believed it when Nick Cage did it. And <laughs> that's context. why he's such a great actor. Yeah. Um, it is a shame, I, I think. And mm. I, hopefully we can contact Nick Cage somehow or somebody related to Nick Cage with this with this <laughs> podcast because I do I do think a reevaluation of him as an actor is in, in certain films is is needed. Did you come across what Ethan Hawke said about Nick Cage? Well, that, that he was a troubadour. Is what yeah. I read. Oh, that oh, yeah. Of course, you didn't say Troubadour. He's yeah. the, the only the only actor since Marlon Brando that's actually done anything new with the art of acting. He's successfully <laughs> taken us away from an obsession with naturalism into a kind of presentation style of acting that I imagine was mm. popular with the old Troubadours. Yeah, and yeah, I agree with Ethan Hawke. <laughs> yeah, there's something to that. It's it's definitely fucking magnetic. It's very much worth watching. And um, Vampire's Kiss is a stunning example of what he does when he really goes all in. Yeah, um, which is. Yeah, a spectacle worth seeing. Hmm. All right, shall we quickfire? Quickfire. My first one is Nick Cage's steely blue eyes. God, yeah. Do you know what? It's been... <laughs> I've had Nick Cage's face burned onto my mind's eye for so long now that I forgot he was once young. <laughs> what a face. What a face that man has. What a gaze. And is. Yeah. His laugh, his accent. <laughs> just amazing. When You pointed it out to me that he laughs in an accent. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh the bat the terribly fake bat really made me jump mm. when it flew in through the window <laughs> that was a surprise because it happens i think in a shot of the two of them just making love and it's like ooh, look at those yeah. butts and then suddenly ah yeah that was i mean that and that whole scene in the, with a psychiatrist when he's talking about that there were just some yeah just superb sublime lines oh sure yes absolutely but then she left the room and i was i mean I came down. Uh, you know, I was in Mortal Kombat with a fucking bat. Give me a break. Well, my, my favorite line from that is when he's talking about how horny he was from having to fight off the bat. Yeah. Maybe I was just angry and tired 
but also horny. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> fucking wonderful. I love Nick Cage's long anticipatory reaction as Alva tells him she looked in the files he, that he already looked in. He puts one hand on the wall and looks away from her with his eyes closed, sighing loudly. <sighs> oh, sorry, I'm just so scatterbrained. <laughs> I love the old woman in the bathroom who objects to yeah. Nicolas Cage, but not enough so to stop doing whatever she's doing. What the hell is he doing in here? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I need to go. The way he interacted with the empty space after being fed on by the vampire. So just imagining <laughs> that she was there the morning after, yeah. the first time it's like holding that coffee out over the, ba- the bed and his hands suddenly <laughs> shaking violently with the sound yeah. of the crockery. And then inviting inviting Rachel into the shower and be like, no, I've, I've got to go to work. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. And, and then just gigg- giggling like a schoolgirl as, as this invisible person comes in. Just another aspect aspect of the brilliance that is his performance uh when he's doing his sort of physicality around the line not once not one time it's it, again i've said it before but it's very rick mail yeah <laughs> god eddie i'm rick fucking male <laughs> let's do <Yeah>. it <laughs> when when he's talk when he's talking to alva and trying to explain the importance of getting this file and he does his am i getting through to you Alva! He leans down and points <laughs> towards her like a like a crazy game show host. Yeah. Um that was I think that was the first moment for me where I went, ah oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> at the moment when he appears at Alva's window and says and is trying to charm her out of her house and yeah. says Must look! <laughs> I thought to myself, I'll let him in. <laughs> yeah. Go I want to. I want to befriend him now, because he <laughs> he's not going to ruin everything again. <laughs> now, look, soup. I, I really like the occasional horror stings. I thought they were quite. They were quite uh, dark and threatening, yeah. uh, especially when the the when Rachel the vampire came over. There was something very menacing about that. How yeah. e- even though it might have been all in his head, yeah. just how enthralled he was to her wily ways. <laughs> yeah, I was genuinely overjoyed when she actually found the contract. Yeah, it was such a relief to me because oh, I was God. so upset for her. Yeah, in general, that when she found it, I was just like, "Oh God, it's over." Yeah, it's fucking over at last. It can end. He's gonna be happy now. <laughs> He's gonna make friends with Alva. They're gonna fall in love. <laughs> oh, just him pursuing Alva and uh, yeah. jumping on the table. There you are. Well, in a later moment where he's chasing Alva, um, he skids when he skids past the door and hits the bin. Yeah. It was really quite a, an affecting moment of tension. It looked accidental, yeah. which is excellent for a stunt. And then it's immediately followed by that brilliant chase down the stairs where it's just like shots of the banister and hands going down it. Repeated. Yes. It was very dynamic. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> uh, Alpha made me feel really sad throughout. Yeah. That was horrible. It's a very naturalistic performance from yeah. her. Yeah. Genuinely horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I really like him frantically tearing into his plastic teeth package. He just goes to a bench, sits for a second, and then just starts really digging in, <laughs> into it. Yeah. In fact, that whole scene made me write down, oh, okay, it is a comedy. That was the moment where it occurred to me, it's not just Nicolas Cage derailing this with his performance. This was meant to be like this. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> when an elderly employee says of mm. Peter Lowe in the film, he's so eccentric. It's like yeah. what I imagine a 70-year-old would say having seen a Nick Cage film for the first time. <laughs> His his performance in front of the mirror where he can't see his own reflection, but everyone else yeah. can. It's wonderful. <laughs> what did I mean by therapist's hunk? Oh, she's she's dating a nice a nice oh, younger yeah. man. Oh yeah, fuck yeah, she is. He calls his co-cad man. He, he calls her at home and she's got a hunk. Yeah, yeah, nice. Fuck yeah. 
Good going, love. That's where being a strong, empowered, intelligent woman gets you. <laughs> gets you a hunk. They come in the post. Come care of the queen. <laughs> Along with your doctorate. Please, please find enclosed one hunk. Ooh. <laughs> He's a hunk. You don't know it's very much a hunk, a hunk roulette with this thing, but I'm very pleased with Fabio. Do I need to do stuff with him? No, he spends most of his time cleaning his own clothes and drying them with his hands. <laughs> hunk stuff. In, yeah, hunk stuff. What other hunk <laughs> stuff is there? He goes, he strolls around the building site with his top off. Drinking Diet Coke by uh, offices dominated primarily by women. <laughs> the, the line from Alva's mum. Now get dressed and get your little ass into the city. It's such a strange thing for an elderly Hispanic man to say to a daughter. Get that sweet ass into the work. <laughs> yeah. he sla- she tight- slaps her on the ass really hard. <laughs> that tight, sweet butt. <laughs> her line about how um, we've all had terrible bosses did prompt me to write down the line, but mine is Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've got the note that his sofa coffin looks super cozy. Yeah, he's got like a little, little mattress p- pillows under there. underneath yeah. his back. Yeah, him him walking around with those big old cheapy teeth in. <laughs> uh, just every scene of it was amazing with close ups of his goofy face with the teeth sticking out. And yeah, there's there's one when he's in the um in the phone booth and he's trying to organise the earliest possible appointment with his psychiatrist. And he's got the teeth in. It's a wide angle lens, and every time he says something, it's it's like Peter, do you have a cold? A cold. Yeah, and and when when she's trying to move the appointment to the earliest possible time, he keeps saying sooner, sooner. Yeah, and she goes, oh, I can I can do Monday at nine, and he does his little Nick Cage collapsing face and goes sooner. <laughs> it's so good. I can't I can't <clears throat> I don't have words to, to describe how beautiful some of these moments are, Paul. Throughout the film, I really like the sort of shots of 80s dirty New York, pre-Giuliani New York, with um, <laughs> with jazz playing. It's a nice sleazy mm. kind of feel. I like it. Before he cleaned up this town. <laughs> See? See. <laughs> I do. It's lovely. <laughs> I really like the way that New York City is used throughout the film, because the director mm. said that he wanted to create this sense of madness throughout, which is why... Mm. Almost every shot of Cage's character is framed by the city looming large behind him. When he's in the mm. psychiatrist's office, when he's in his own office, he's got these big windows behind him and you can see the city. And one really interesting thing is that the film starts off with the city out of focus, sort of blurry behind him. But the, mm. the crazier he gets, the more sharp and focused the buildings get. Huh. So it's like the more overbearing the city is on his mindset which is a really interesting detail i think yeah wow see yeah. this is what i mean it's all <laughs> it's all had a lot of thought that's gone into it yeah this one <laughs> listen listen boy <laughs> i really like the club scene yeah i like the, the heavy bass and the closeness <laughs> of it um see you know even before you include cage's total lunacy yeah there are loads of really close sweaty intimate shots of people dancing with a yeah. nice beefy 80s drum beat it's a good club scene yeah and i really like the girl he ended up killing um yeah. she was very playful i liked how she went along with his vampire teeth and sort of joked around with him that was fun that was cute yeah and finally my last good one would be he's <laughs> it's one last cage quote for the ages okay. <laughs> i literally almost went to close my notepad there one last <laughs> story of nicholas cage He's having his imaginary conversation with a wall that he imagines to be his psychiatrist. Oh, yeah. And it keeps cutting between his, what he says inside of the fantasy to what he's saying in real life. And I think yeah. she's going through qualities that his, that's, what is it, Sarah 
has, not Sarah, mm. who is it? Sandra. Yeah. Sharon, sorry. <laughs> it's the qualities that Sharon has. And at one point when it cuts it cuts to real life, he just says Incredible. Well <laughs> oh. just really sort of bloodily and in a really crap way. Ooh, wow. <laughs> the contrast between those two scenes is incredible. Yeah. It's just so perfectly sharp. The <laughs> hyper saccharine mm. certain moments of Inland Empire and Mulholland Drive. Yeah. It's it's that. And with everybody smiling and laughing and yeah. that that's the exact same three things I like. And then it cuts <laughs> to the dreariest shot of him with blood on yeah. his face and his shirt, his hair all must. It does you might have it might have missed escaped your notice the extent to which his character has fucking deteriorated over the course of this film. In which case mm. this really does sort of bring it back into sharp focus, just yeah. how different he started and end, ended this thing. He's he essentially yeah. started as Keanu Reeves in mm. uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula and then ends as Gary Oldman from Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> It's such a transformation, and it's just such a perfect, perfect juxtaposition at the end of that film. Definitely. Okay. Well, that was Vampire's Kiss. Did we get yes, anything from the one good from the one good team from the OGT? <laughs> no. From the. <laughs> okay. Fine. Um. Unless wait, unless someone's got in touch in the last few hours. <laughs> we're so desperate. <laughs> unless somebody's gotten in touch, like since like, last time I looked. No, <laughs> but nobody, maybe somebody oh. has now. Wait! Oh no, we do have one. Ah, ah, ah. Is it me? Shut up, everyone! Shut up! Atomic content at atomic content. Thank you, sir. Said Lord everything. The it doesn't just go away scene is my fave, but so many epic scenes. <laughs> thanks, atomic content. Yay! Thanks, thanks for taking the time because um, yeah, yeah, it really is fucking amazing. Thanks, OG team. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, we don't have a one better thing because it's this. No. Go watch this. Go watch Vampire's Kiss. It's it's not a case that you'll be bored like when you watch the room. It's um compellingly yeah. entertaining throughout. Uh, you won't regret it. Absolutely. Couldn't <laughs> agree more. Everyone go do that. <laughs> and then after you've done that, come back, because by then it'll be time for the next episode of One Good Thing. And where can where can all the boys and vampires find out about that? Or oh, they can go on Vampire Facebook and Vampire Twitter. <laughs> only operational between between the dreaming times. <laughs> and you uh, you can only say spooky, dramatic things in a sexy sort of devil's advocate way. <laughs> so it's very much unlike Twitter. You can't. You are still allowed to say things that will come back to absolutely fucking haunt you in about twenty years' time. Feel free to do that. Still on Vampire Twitter. Yes, just to reiterate, this is Vampire Twitter. <laughs> vampire Twitter. Never delete anything until it's just too late. But there are. <laughs> Yes, but there, uh, OGT Pod. You can send us an email at ogtpod at gmail dot com. No vampires allowed. Soz segregation still f- in full effect. <laughs> we are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, and probably some other ones of bootlegger episodes for free for nothing. What? As opposed to all the ones that officially do it for free for nothing. <laughs> yeah, how dare they? Coming over here, taking all our nothing. Well, yeah, a million times nothing. My sir is still still nothing, unfortunately. <laughs> but we can all share in that great nothingness that the pools bring to cinema every week <laughs> on uh, all those platforms I said. Join our nothing. Briefly above. <laughs> and the best thing you can do is leave a positive review on iTunes and share it with a friend. Uh, my novel Dockhead is available on Amazon for five ninety nine. The OGT jingles from episodes 1 to 50 are available on Bandcamp, ogtpod.bandcamp.com. Very soon, going to be another collection. Yeah. Featuring such classics as the equilibrium bit. <laughs> so look forward to that, everyone. Yeah. Paul, what about you? 
What are you doing? Reviews. Same place. Go. Wow. Screen mayhem. And also, we've just uploaded uh, an official interview with me about my experience <laughs> of the 62nd London Film Festival. So go there and listen to me talk even more about Suspiria. Fantastic. And I can't recommend enough the interview uh, conducted by Paul Salt with Mr. Matthew Holness of uh, yeah. Garth Marenghi fame, who uh, very recently released his horror film, Possum. Oh, God. Yes. And horror doesn't <laughs> feel like it captures it well enough. Um, <laughs> go see it, but also listen to the interview because he's a fascinating guy. And uh, yeah, he is. Paul's such a, a sexy interview guy. Fuck yeah. We were both shirtless by the end of it. You could hear that. <laughs> Who says that audio is a limited medium? You can very clearly hear the sound of a finger circling a nipple. <laughs> it's like that that whirring sound you get with a finger around glass. You could actually just hear Matthew Holness's naked body just there. <laughs> You're just being still in the air. <sighs> the presence, the awe, <laughs> like the monolith from 2001 Space Odyssey. <laughs> So did you, you're saying that you evolved after that experience? I did. I certainly am a different man now. Much more merengue. I'm Paul Salt. I'm Paul Goodman. And remember, the one good thing about Vampire's Kiss is Nicolas Cage gracefully skidding past the door.